Finding Home is a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society. The Society is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to research, present, and preserve information about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. Greetings. I'm Margaret Lynch of the Irish American Archives Society. Welcome to our podcast series, Finding Home. I haven't talked yet about the Irish in medical fields or social work. People of Irish birth and descent entered these professions earlier, but their numbers grew in the 1920s through the 1940s. Here's some background context. In 1851, Bishop Rapp invited several French nuns with nursing experience to Cleveland. He asked them to open a hospital and an orphanage here. The Sisters of Charity of St. Augustine launched a short-lived hospital in Ohio City and St. Vincent's Orphanage for Boys. During the Civil War, Bishop Rapp recognized that wounded soldiers needed nursing care and asked the Sisters of Charity to open St. Vincent Charity Hospital, which still operates today on East 22nd Street. In recognition of the Order's service during the Civil War, a Sister of Charity is included in a sculpted relief panel inside the Soldiers and Sailors Monument on Cleveland's Public Square. The panel celebrates the caring role of women during the Civil War. In 1873, the sisters identified a new need to care for unwed mothers and foundling children. They set up a maternity hospital, St. Anne's, in a building next to St. Vincent's Charity Hospital. By 1876, St. Anne's moved into a larger new building on Woodland Avenue. Seeing a need for a Catholic hospital in Newburgh, Bishop Gilmore invited the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration to open St. Alexis Hospital in 1884. The Sisters of St. Francis originated in Germany, but came to Cleveland from Lafayette, Indiana. St. Alexis was envisioned as a kind of emergency trauma center for treating workers hurt in accidents in the nearby industrial flats. In 1890, Bishop Gilmore also purchased land at West 79th in Detroit and asked the Sisters of St. Francis to organize a second hospital, St. John's. However, the Sisters of Charity assumed responsibility for St. John's in 1916. Religious sisters staffed the four Catholic hospitals at first, but each hospital soon developed its own nursing school. St. Vincent Charity began offering nursing classes in 1898, St. Anne's Nursing School was operational at least by 1911, and St. John's by 1916. St. Alexis opened its nursing school in 1918. Some nursing students undoubtedly joined the nursing orders, but others became lay nurses. It's hard to track individual nurses of Irish birth or descent. Nurses weren't often named in the newspapers, and if they became nuns, they gave up their birth names. A 1911 Plain Dealer item did note that, quote, 11 were graduated from the training school for nurses connected with St. Anne's Maternity Hospital last night, end quote. Several of the St. Anne's graduates that night had Irish-sounding last names, Mary McLaughlin and Helen O'Malley, for instance. But it's tough to confirm their identities in public records. Some of the nursing students may have been training for hospital work, Others may have been preparing to become nannies. In the 1910s and 1920s, nannies were expected to have nursing training. 
I found out about a family whose daughters pursued both paths. Ellen Hopkins Rafferty and her sister Agnes Hopkins Carlson both received nursing training in the early 1900s. Ellen went on to work as a nurse at St. Anne's Hospital. Agnes's 1910 census record suggests that she worked as a nanny in a private home. The two sisters were Irish immigrants. They were two of nine children who came to Cleveland one by one in the late 1890s and early 1900s. The last siblings to arrive brought their parents with them. Ellen married in 1911 and had two children, but continued to work as a nurse. Tragically, she lost her life in a flu epidemic that swept Cleveland between December 1915 and January 1916. The flu ran quickly through schools and hospitals. Schools were closed for a few weeks, but hospitals had to remain open. At St. Anne's, about two dozen nurses, children, and mothers came down with the flu. Ellen Hopkins Rafferty was one of several nurses who died from it. The Hopkins sisters were great aunts of IAAS board president Tom Corgan, on his mother's side. Some families produce an abundance of helping professionals, and Tom Corgan's extended family is one. A great aunt on Tom's father's side, Anna Gibbons Lahiff, was widowed in 1914. With two children to raise, she became a house mother at the Hudson Boys Farm. She also began looking after children who were under detention at juvenile court. Anna Lahiff became one of the first women probation officers of the Cleveland Municipal Court in about 1924. She handled nearly 40,000 cases by the time she retired in 1959. After retirement, she volunteered with a Catholic agency to work with unwed mothers. One of Tom Corgan's uncles became a doctor. Peter Corgan attended medical school at St. Louis University, the oldest medical school west of the Mississippi. He served as chief of staff at St. John's Hospital and ended his career as assistant clinical professor of medicine at CWRU, specializing in the treatment of diabetes. Dr. Corgan's wife, Mae McCrone Corgan, trained as a surgical nurse at St. John's School of Nursing and worked at St. John's before the couple married in 1947. While raising children, she served as an RN at Union Carbide and in the Lakewood school system. Tom Corgan's father, Judge John V. Corgan, his uncle, Monsignor Tom Corgan, and his uncle, Dr. Peter Corgan, teamed up once to give a seminar on parenting, each drawing on the perspective of his own profession. I haven't been able to establish if there were any Irish-born doctors in Cleveland before or during the Civil War. The name of a Dr. Burns appears on the death records of many 19th-century Irish immigrants, but his first name is not noted. If he is the Dr. Joseph Emmett Burns, who died in 1909 at age 60, his brief obituary indicated that he attended medical school at Worcester University and was a staff physician at St. Vincent Charity Hospital. I've been able to find out more about another early doctor of Irish descent. That's Dr. John Vincent Gallagher. His father, Neil Gallagher, immigrated to Cleveland in about 1852 and was a bridge tender here. According to the history of Catholicity, Dr. John Vincent's mother, Catherine, was a, quote, representative of an ancient Irish family, end quote. Her maiden name was also Gallagher, and it's possible that she was one of the extended Gallagher 99 clan. 
John Vincent Gallagher attended the cathedral school and taught for a year in one of the city's public schools. Then followed five years of studying the classics at Niagara University, a year at Worcester Medical College, two years of medical studies at Western Reserve University, and additional postgraduate courses at a medical college in New York. Gallagher's 1936 Plain Dealer obituary reported that he was chief of staff at St. Alexis Hospital almost for the time he graduated from Western Reserve University in 1891, until he retired in 1928. The paper claimed that on a typical day at St. Alexis, he might perform 18 operations and see 40 to 50 patients. After attending Mass every morning at the hospital, he would, and I quote, hitch up his horse-drawn ambulance and bring industrial casualties from the steel mills to the operating room, end quote. The plain dealer emphasized that his life, and I quote, was packed with thousands of charitable deeds, free operations for the poor, and days when he spent as long as 14 hours in an operating room, end quote. The history of Catholicity concluded, and I quote, he has abundantly fulfilled the high expectations that have been entertained of him, both by the profession and his friends. End quote. He had two sons and a nephew who became priests. Another Gallagher 99 family had a son who was a priest and two sons who were doctors. The Cleveland portion of this Gallagher family story began with a man named Farrell Gallagher. Farrell Gallagher left Ireland at the beginning of the famine survived the fever camps outside of Montreal, and joined Gallagher 99 Cousins in Cleveland in 1847. According to his plain dealer obituary, Farrell was, and I quote, one of the original coal bosses along the river, end quote. He was a foreman for the coal company owned by Marcus Hanna. The Farrell-Gallagher family lived at first near the lighthouse in the city's old Ward 3 on the east side of the river. Then they moved closer to the docks, living for many years on Main Street in the Angle neighborhood on the west side. Farrell's only son, Thomas, became a mailman. The mailman's son married Irish immigrant Annie Fian, a cousin of banker John T. Fian. One of Thomas and Annie's sons, Daniel, became a priest and was the longtime pastor of St. James Parish in Lakewood. Five daughters became teachers. Two other sons became doctors. William T. Gallagher attended West High School and St. Ignatius College, the forerunner to John Carroll University. Like several other Clevelanders, he went to St. Louis University to study medicine and stayed there as professor of surgery. His brother Farrell T. Gallagher graduated from St. Ignatius High School and John Carroll before taking up medical studies at Western Reserve University. Dr. Farrell Gallagher became chief of surgery at St. John's Hospital. Other immigrant families who came to Cleveland in the 19th century also had sons who became doctors. Last episode, I mentioned policeman Edward Corrigan. Sergeant Corrigan was involved in a shootout with a member of Blinky Morgan's gang in 1887. The Newburgh Corrigans produced a doctor's son and a lawyer's son. The doctor was Frank Corrigan. He earned his medical degree at Western Reserve University in 1906. During World War I, he served as chief surgeon at a hospital in Chile. He learned Spanish then, which was useful later when President Franklin Roosevelt named Corgan to a series of diplomatic posts in Central America. He was appointed minister to El Salvador in 1934, minister to Panama, then ambassador to Venezuela in 1939. 
Like Dr. John V. Gallagher, Dr. Frank Corgan was associated with St. Alexis Hospital, serving as director of surgery there from 1922 to 1932. The family of another Irish-American doctor came to Cleveland in the 1860s. The family contained three generations of Thomas A. Burks. The first of the name was a native of Galway and captain of a Great Lakes schooner. He was in Cleveland by 1864 when his son was born here. The son, also Thomas A. Burke, was orphaned when he was still in his teens, but that didn't stop him from becoming a physician. After a start in the Cleveland Public Schools, he went to Buffalo to study at Canisius College. He obtained his bachelor's degree there in 1885. He returned to Cleveland for medical school at Western Reserve University, graduating in 1888. He later did postgraduate work at Canisius College and in London and Vienna. Dr. Burke first joined the staff of the city's public hospital, the forerunner of today's Metro Health Center. But he was also a visiting surgeon at St. Alexis Hospital. Then, from 1902 on, he was an ears, nose, and throat specialist at St. Vincent Charity Hospital. Dr. Thomas Burke was a member of the Ancient Order of Hibernians and the Knights of Columbus. Along with another physician, Dr. Emmett W. Sullivan, Dr. Burke helped to found the short-lived Irish-American Club in the 1890s. Dr. Burke's colleague, Dr. Sullivan, was born in Tiffin, Ohio, to an Irish immigrant hardware merchant who was active in the Fenian movement. When Sullivan moved to Cleveland, he took up his father's Irish nationalist cause. The Irish-American Club was formed to provide a place for business networking among Irish-Americans, but it also served as a venue for hosting lectures about Irish nationalism and for political fundraisers. Dr. Burke was elected Cuyahoga County Coroner for two terms. His son, the third Thomas A. Burke, received his law degree from Western Reserve University. The third Thomas Burke was appointed law chief by Mayor Frank Lauschie. Burke was elected mayor himself in 1945 and served four terms. He focused on such capital improvements as the lakefront airport that still bears his name. Younger doctors were beginning to come up in the 1930s and 1940s. Dr. Pierce Mullally also studied at St. Louis University, and his future wife, Eileen Murphy, was a nursing student there. When the couple returned to Cleveland, Dr. Mullally joined the staff at St. Vincent Charity Hospital, and Eileen taught surgical nursing there at its School of Nursing. Eileen was named Nurse of the Year by the Cleveland Press in 1947. While raising her children, she obtained a master's degree in guidance and education from John Carroll University and became a guidance counselor at Beaumont School for Girls. Some of the Irish immigrants of the 1920s through 1940s arrived in Cleveland with nursing training, only to find that their credentials were not recognized here. My great-aunt Winifred MacDonald was one of them. She had studied and practiced nursing in London during World War II but when she came to Cleveland in 1948 and sought a job at St. Vincent Charity Hospital, she found out that she didn't qualify as an RN here. She was too proud to attend nursing classes with recent high school graduates, so she returned to London for more training and came back to Cleveland in 1955. Mount Sinai Hospital was recruiting Irish nurses at the time. In 1958, the plane dealer ran a St. Patrick's Day photo of eight Irish Mount Sinai nurses. My aunt was one of them. Many women juggled nursing and children at a time when work was not organized to accommodate family responsibilities. 
Mary Barry Reynolds was born in the U.S., but her family returned to Ireland for a time and she attended school in Ireland. Coming back to the U.S. in 1930, she started nursing school in Cleveland in 1938. In between raising five children and taking leadership roles in the Ladies' Ancient Order of Hibernians, Mary Reynolds worked at St. Vincent Charity Hospital. In 1969, she led a strike at St. Vincent's, pressing for better wages, more secure contracts, and the right to form a union. As the 20th century progressed, men and women of Irish descent became more and more confident and determined to gain the education necessary to become doctors and nurses. Cleveland's Catholic hospitals relied on them to help serve a growing city. Thanks for listening. I'm Margaret Lynch. Have a great day. You've been listening to Finding Home, a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society of Cleveland. Find out more about the Society or get in touch at irisharchives.org.